keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roast. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and I am joined as always by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? What up, King? I'm doing good. How are you? Dude, I'm I'm doing great. Are you uh, wrestling now? Are you no, you know, it's I so uh, for those of you who might not have heard the the announcement before or all my constant plugging on social media, I have a new show called Rumor and Innuendo, which is available. You can stream it, the video with me and Nick Hausman uh, on my my Twitter account. It's all over the place. And it's the second biggest news story of the week. I think the first biggest news story of the week, Scott, we can agree. Huge return in pro wrestling because Mike Lawrence is here. Mike, how are you? How are you? <laughs> I am home. <laughs> I mean, because th- that's where I'm recording this from. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I am. I am on my 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 computer's not charged. I'm on my phone. So uh, you know what else is back? Possibly poor audio quality. <laughs> Actually, you sound totally fine. So All I, right. you know, I'm not worried. About, no, you're not. You're not on whatever like you know payphone Scott was calling us from on the Jersey Shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> he, yeah. he he was calling us from under Tony's desk in Wembley. <laughs> I, hey, careful. I would scared for my life, man. I would too. With the way his <laughs> knees probably are shaking from all his nerves and coke, I'd be terrified dodging kneecaps. Um, but yeah, I think there's look, there's two halves of the same first story that we're going to talk about here. Number one. For the first time in a decade, CM Punk is back in the WWE. Huge surprise return at the end of Survivor Series. Everybody was shocked. The way they they played it out, that that moment with the credits coming up, and then the, the post-match stuff of Seth selling it like he was furious, Drew seeming like he was angry. And then on Monday, it was three hours of the I didn't do it boy is going to show up. And then at the end of uh, Raw... He uh, he delivered a promo, and in some people's opinion on the show, he sure as hell didn't do it. So we'll we'll start with you. Yeah, Mike, he, what did uh, you think? Some people about... would say he uh, he woozle wuzzled. That was a big woozle wuzzle. Like, uh, <laughs> what did, what did you think of the return and the promo? All right. So first, the return. I mean, this is what's great is that regardless of all these insiders and stuff, like and what they think they know and. And the contacts they have, um, they don't know everything. And thank God they don't, because I think that we still do love to be surprised. And I think it was a genuine surprise. I mean, maybe to some people it wasn't, but it it felt like one. I mean, it felt like, oh, shit, you know? I mean, look, there's rumors every time WWE has been in Chicago the last 10 years, right? Um, 
And I just didn't, yeah, I did not think it would happen. And it was cool, you know, it's still fucking cool to be a mark and see a thing that you didn't think would happen, happen and be excited about it. Um, uh, and for anyone who died on Sunday, that's the case. <laughs> that is, that is fair. It was definitely a shock moment. A lot of people didn't know. Uh, a lot of people in the match didn't know. Some of them were told like, right before they went out there that Punk was going to come out. Some of them got told during the match and without betraying any con- <laughs> excuse me confidences on, on my side. There was someone I was talking to as part of that match in coming up with some ideas for that match. Neither one of us had any idea whatsoever that CM Punk was going to make his, his appearance there. So that shock hell of a lot of fun uh, and i didn't think yeah it was like it seemed like it was rushed in the sense that there wasn't really a reason for him to be there or other for him to be there like i think about like i don't know if it's surprising but you know i had no idea that travis kelsey was gonna be at the end of that snl sketch when he was because they didn't address and he wasn't there and then they did it and he was there and he just had like the quick like, hey, I'm here. You know, this whole sketch is about him, but he just happened to be there with Taylor Swift, which like most of us, I don't think knew anything about. And it was still like, oh, that's fucking cool. So like even when you're on the inside of shit, you can still be surprised. What surprised me about what you just said is like that. I felt like that was the payoff to that sketch. Oh. So was there just no payoff? There was a payoff. It was just a different payoff. It okay. was just, yeah. But yeah, this was, they had a that show laid out. was the best payoff you could have. Yes. Yeah. Look, Survivor Series, they had a show laid out. They had a finish. They had storylines going forward. And then you had this, like, it was literally a post credit scene because it was after the graphic went up of Punk coming out there and letting that moment kind of breathe. Scott, before we get to the promo, what did you think of just seeing Punk back on WWE TV? Oh, I loved it. And I liked the way they did it because you're right. It, it, it established and made a point of like, no, we don't need him. We actually had an entire show and it's over and it was a great show. Oh, now, now here he is. And so it's not a save us CM Punk. It is, it is not, I mean, like what we later find out is that he approached them. They didn't approach him. And that was a big part of him being able to work there is, is they weren't going to approach him, um, even though obviously they would love to work with him, and now they are. So I think him coming out at the end like that, I mean, dude, the online videos of people kind of hanging their heads low, like, yeah, that was fun, but the Mark and me wanted punk, and then their eyes lighting up as they realize they're getting it. And he didn't speak. He didn't have to speak that night. All we wanted was that pop in Chicago for him, which he deserves. The fans deserve. We all kind of knew it was happening. And then I know when they said it, even though they didn't know it was happening, uh, I felt like WWE over the last year has done so many good faith acts towards fans that I thought he was coming. You know, I was like, yeah, it's happening. And that's how it happened because in this moment they were like, let's make sure we give the fans what they want and then we'll figure it out going forward because he's easy to figure out. You plug him in and it's uh, you pl- you can plug him into two storylines. Like I'm sure we'll get to that are massive bigger than any storyline they could have. So 
Yeah, I was hyped Sunday. I mean, I mean Saturday. I was so hyped Saturday. All Sunday and Monday, Mike was like, "Wait, so you're gonna watch Raw?" And I was like, "I think so. I think I'm watching Raw." Yeah, and I, I did. I watched Raw. Look, part of what helped keep this quiet, it's come out after this was Punk talking to Triple H and talking to Nick Khan. TKO had no idea that this was going to happen. The locker room didn't know this was going to happen. It was kept very tight-lipped, so it did not leak out anywhere. And ironically enough, one of the most fun things that came out of this, I don't know if either of you saw WWE released, they've done this a couple times before, the camera they have on Michael Cole. And they were showing like the the live side-by-side of Cole's reaction to Punk coming out. It almost makes you like Michael Cole, which in and of itself is the biggest feat of 2023. I mean, to be fair, Vince isn't in his ear. And so that's he's able he's allowed to smile every once in a while. He is, but he's at least able to show that he likes professional wrestling a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think there's also there's this excitement of um, yeah, it's this moment of victory. Not not I'm not I'm not saying victory against AEW, even though it is that. If you want to see it like that, it is they they beat him in that. But um, it's a victory for yeah. The company is just in a really awesome spot right now where you're not even seeing remember a few years ago when guys would come back it was like these fucking assholes coming back because there was this tension backstage and because guys didn't get what they deserved now it just seems like a company of people making bank that's like all it is making cash and i'm like oh shit all right if if you give me fun matches and fun moments i'm in It's beyond fun matches and moments for Punk. This is really an annuity for him. This is an opportunity for him to go back, get plugged into the WWE machine, and get revenue for decades to come. He's going to be part of video games, T-shirts, toys, all this shit for the rest of his life as long as he does not fuck this up. And it's a great win for Triple H, who gets his Vince McMahon moment. Vince always said, I put the business before everything else. Personally, did I, you know, not like Hogan? Yes. Do I want to bring him back? It's great for business. I bring him back. Vince is willing to do business with anybody, even Savage, once he was dead. So he, Vince is willing we to do We never got nails no, back. That's we not never, true. Not yet. Conrad <laughs> brought nails back. He brought him to a wrestle uh, Starcast or something like that. Uh, but Vince is always willing to put business first. This was Hunter's chance to show he could I mean, put Conrad gave you a show. Conrad puts business above everything. We do not want Conrad above anything, just from a physics <laughs> standpoint. I uh, love you, Conrad. Happy part of the ad-free shows network. Yeah, rumor, rumor and innuendo, proof that Conrad has never listened to Russell Rose. No, no, he he doesn't know that we exist, and it's it's kind of we're like the way that Vince treated NXT for a while because it, it wasn't on TV. He didn't know it happened, which is why it was so good. And then when he saw it, he's like. We need bright colors. Get rid of this yellow and black bullshit. <laughs> we're, we're we're Tony's women's division. Oh, we're we're slightly better than the Julia Hart match we got on on Dynamite. But <laughs> at the end of Raw, due to uh, the Randy Orton Dominic Mysterio match going a little long, the promo was supposedly cut short. But they but hyped look at all Robert that. making excuses. I'm setting it up. Yeah, for he her. was going to light it on fire. Dude, I'm, no, you know what it is? I'm spending minutes. all week. I'm spending all week doing the fucking rumor and innuendo bullshit, where I have to be like polite when I'm setting up stories. Here, I can just say whatever the fuck it is. I don't care. Yeah, no. <laughs> Punk went out there to talk, and people were expecting 
you know, this they were expecting I'll, I'll, I'll work it for Mike. They were expecting Endgame, and instead they got the Marvels. Mike? Well, you know, it is it, the two shows are different because when me and Scott say we're comedians, we are. When Nick says he's a journalist. <laughs> but Hey, as far um, as comedians go, he's a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. And by the way, congrats on that. That's uh, you guys should listen. It's it's a it, it is a fun way to get all the news in wrestling without having to get viruses on your computer from any site, <laughs> or having or having to listen to Meltzer. Yeah, so yeah that's true. Two autistics. No. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, I, Al, Alvarez isn't special enough to be autistic. We don't want him on the spectrum. Um, yeah, so, the you know, look, the promo, yeah, like, we heard that and everything. I mean, look, like, that's a management issue, too, like, that they put him all the way at the end. I think that, personally, he should have been at the 10 o'clock at the top of the hour. I know that they wanted people to to, to wait and watch, but it's like, you're losing all your kids and let kids like fall in love with this guy. You know, it was like, it felt like it was just focused for the older crowd. And I think punk can connect with anyone. So I, I think that that was a production fuck up. If anything um, of, of running that risk, he look, do I think yeah, do, in a perfect world, do I think he should have come out at the beginning? Absolutely. I get why they waited, but they fucked themselves by waiting till the end. And, you know, this is not, uh, this is 2023. You got to get Barmageddon started <laughs> right at 11. A show that somehow doesn't star Ric Flair uh, <laughs> or Dan. And, uh, like, you know, Dan would have uh, a show on NBC Universal, Mike. <laughs> Best of luck on his current endeavors. No, um, no, it's you look the the promo. It was not great. It I I convinced myself like Scott was right like because we texted right after about this and Scott was like the little kid who wanted to believe and saw that his hero isn't his hero anymore. I. I I look at it as this is just a cash grab. This, this felt like Goldberg's return, and thankfully a kid's shirt wasn't taken off. Like, it is It is just a business thing. If he did not say the last line, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to make money, I think I would give this promo, like, a C-, minus, and instead I give it a B-, minus because I thought that that line elevated it. And was like, okay, well, that's what he actually is doing. Because some of the shit, you know, it, it did feel a little artificial. Yeah, I think that's fair, Scott. What what did you uh, what did you think of the punk promo? I want to see the I want to hear the text version, audio wise. <laughs> Dude, I snapped on the Patreon all by myself about it, but um, <laughs> yeah, to me, it just felt like a a a. Uh a press statement. It felt like something that we read on Twitter around noon from like a fighting organization and a new signing. Uh, this wasn't an announcement about a signing and about how a guy is uh, excited to, it, it, it just felt very, very lame and tame 
something that could have happened at the press conference after Survivor Series. It was that lame and tame. This is shit that I could have read in a newspaper article um, because that's how little punk was in it. All right, I can believe a lot. Uh, I can't Chris believe Masters. you would. I can't believe you would read a newspaper article, Scott. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's everything. He spoke the way people write. Yes. It, it was it was empty, um, and the and the and the line that I, I understand what Mike is saying. The I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. Well, the ins- the exciting aspect of that is like we're gonna make money with compelling storylines. But when you have a dud of a promo like that. And you say, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. It sounds like, hey, I'm going to be barely showing up. Notice how I have no life behind my eyes in this moment. I'm here to collect a paycheck. It doesn't sound like I'm here to make make um, make good TV. It's I'm going to drag my ass here and get a paycheck. Now, do I think he's going to do that? No. But was that promo that? Yes. That promo was asked. That w- that pro- this, I know a lot of – I got a lot of friends who are depressed – that was that, that promo was hey man well, go that's back to your doctor. Of the promo, Scott. That's that promo was hey go back to your doctor. He gave you too much medicine. The dosage is off, and 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 you are um, even though you might not be angry right now, uh, you are not there. And that's what that felt like. Look, I don't need angry punk. I don't need punk shitting on AEW. I don't need a pipe bomb. I need a competent promo that ends any show. Prop that, that is no ending to any show that was trash trash now next week i think he'll be better i think his feuds will be great i think i think he's one of the best promos of all time and and one of the main reasons i've ever tuned into wrestling uh all right. so that as, night yeah. was bad it like it's it's literally indefensible there wasn't even a moment of oh cool not even a moment of oh cool no i'm sorry when he said uh aj's doing well i was like that's nice but again this is some TMZ should have caught up with him. It, it, it would have been more fucking compelling. This was a guy eating at 11 a.m. So here's to keep my my Nikon money coming in. The promo was doomed to fail in some degree because it had to close the show. Mike's 100% right. This felt like it should have been somewhere else in the broadcast. The thing is, they needed to tease throughout the entire night. We have a bunch of storylines we need to get to, but also we're going to acknowledge CM Punk, who currently exists out of continuity. He's not plugged into any of the immediate storylines because they had storylines built coming off of war games. So he needed to go out there and doff his cap and be like, hey, guys, I'm here. He needed to show that he was going to behave and not be an asshole. And he did that. He can't talk about AEW. Tony Khan is claiming it's, well, you know, legally. There's no fucking legal stopping him from saying about him leaving AEW. It's fucking stupid. But he wasn't going to go out there and mention AEW because that's not what WWE does. He's not going to mention the Bucks. He's not going to mention getting fired. He touched on, yes, I had to leave. And yes, I left because, in part, Paul Heyman told me to leave. And Paul Heyman has been talking to me as the wise man. So you're teasing that little Roman Reigns thing. Him highlighting the, hey, I'm back and I'm the best in the world – highlighted the fact that Seth Rollins earlier in the night kind of threw a little bit of a fit at Punk being a hypocrite. And now it's Punk like, look, I see you, but I'm not going to directly acknowledge you. He had the cute little thing about the about the Blackhawks. He had the thing about AJ. It was, it was all well-behaved. Looking into the camera at the end was him trying to get some of the smart fans happy. But the I'm home comment, I took to me, he was not thrilled about his time in AEW. 
the way it was run, management, the struggles he ran into. He thought it was going to be green pastures, and he was going to finally be able to get the run that he always felt he deserved. And he realized the grass isn't greener on the other side, and he's dealing with the same shit. Now he's back working for adults, and all he really cares about is, give me a fucking script, tell me what my storyline is, I have pride in authorship, and I'm going to knock it out of the park. That was my takeaway from that first promo, but I was more excited to see Barmageddon. <laughs> Do you think any piece of this is um, there is a part of him that is kind of a WWE mark? Like, you know, a lot of people say when he was in AEW, a big aspect, uh, something that people felt was an issue he had was he was like, oh, I'm, I was in WWE. You guys weren't. And WWE is the place. And years ago, it, it was. I think uh, you look at a Will Ospreay or something, like he doesn't need WWE, right? And there's guys who literally grow up and their dream might never to be in like WWE. That might not be a goal. But for him, it was like Snooker and Piper and Piper. And uh, he's very- I mean, the elbow WWE drop, right? Piper. He's very like WWE orientated. And uh, I wonder how much of it is like he does see, you know, he left WWE in part of, I want a WrestleMania main event. Like- that's a very marky uh, thought. And so is he kind of more of a mark than we perceive? Yes. Or not he's, wrestling, for, for WWE wrestling. It's for like the canon of WWE. Hart. Scott, he's a mark for Bret Hart, who yeah. is in and of himself a mark for his legacy. So mm-hmm. this makes sense that the one thing Punk has never done is the one thing Seth Rollins has never done, which is main event WrestleMania. And the fact that these two guys over the years have taken shots at one another and is perceived hatred, but realistically, it's for money. Uh, even at the end of Survivor Series, the fact that there was the fan footage of Seth Rollins flicking off Punk and telling him to go fuck himself. If you think that was real and you think Michael Cole was holding back Seth Rollins, yeah, course, you're yeah. an idiot. But I like that they let that play out on social media, let fan footage get leaked out there. But the idea that the only way that Seth and the only way that Punk gets a main event mania is with each other is kind of a nice little bit of symmetry. Oh, yeah. I, I think would say, uh, like, you know, Punk is, uh, yeah, he's a savage mark for sure. Remember, he wore the tribute outfit and he did his fucking finishing move. Yeah. You know, and heart and all of that. Like, uh, and I mean, it just, you know, the, the, the truth is, that was the big exposure. It was, you know, where he grew up, you were more likely to get into WWF than uh, WCW for a lot of people. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> unless, unless you were really into the road warriors in the eighties. Uh, but even then fucking WWF got those guys too. But uh, I, I think that it's like, you kind of, you kind of like, Everyone starts out naive about everything. And, you know, I think he had the best of intentions of changing wrestling and even, you know, making AEW the wrestling company he always wanted it to be. You know, the the problem there was the top guys all got to have their freedom to do what they wanted at the same time without management. And you know, you had a lot of uh, fuck-ups because of it and people getting in shots and all of that. And I don't think that he's like, now he's like, oh, I'm I'm finally going to live my dream as a WrestleMania main eventer or whatever. I think it's 
Dude, I'm 45. I got like one last run in this. Like my body's not in the best shape. You know, and uh let me let me make some cash. I mean, because he's even like let's look back at like why he left, right? Like a lot of that stuff has changed, you know. The house show schedule isn't what it is. And he also isn't a guy who needs to be on that schedule. I mean, this is the problem that we always run into with, right? Cena did this and Roman did it. And they all end up looking like hypocrites is the, uh, they always are, you know, the part-timers don't care about this like I do. And then they become part-timers because that's how it's supposed to fucking work if you're successful. <laughs> yeah, it's how time works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, I've even heard people like in comedy, right? Like, you know, uh, a, a big headliner when they go into a club, they could go on whenever they want. And even some people will complain about that. Like, oh, you know, Chris Rock should have to wait his turn. No. <laughs> Can you imagine the... telling Chris Rock, sorry, buddy, uh, you know, Scott's up. <laughs> Mike, remember, remember, remember Jay Welsh telling Artie Lang, uh, he he could come back next week or he, he, Artie, dude Artie Lang showed up at an open mic we were at yeah and he was yeah, like you was could put full. your name in the late bucket but there's no chance you you're gonna go up <laughs> Artie Lang <laughs> what if that that must have caused a relapse like you know Artie was like all right I'm gonna just focus on comedy ah fuck it coke it is. <laughs> oh man but yeah uh, yeah because no dealers like I'll put you on the uh, Wait, of yeah, shipments yeah. no i mean look like punk the other thing about punk is i think that we do a lot of retroactive history in our heads a lot of retconning of how great his run was and i mean look the pipe bomb and the punk and the and the and the cena stuff was fucking great but the reality is he came back eight days later after that and it sucked um then he got into the Kevin Nash stuff, and that sucked. Then, you know, he was with Heyman and, and the heel stuff. And some of it was good, but a lot of it was, like, very missable TV. So bad. Didn't, like, Del Rio? I mean, he fought Del yeah. Rio a bunch, The Miz. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it was of that time, you know. It just wasn't, a you know, the core and all that shit. Like, it, it that, that was what was on, and he always could uh, rise above whatever the status quo was, but you know, bad TV is bad TV. And, but that's why I he wants that... to come back, Mike. He wants to come back because everything he fought for happened, but it happened after he was gone and he doesn't get credit for it. You know, he's going to say, look, when I was here, it was land of the giants. A, an indie guy like me was never getting an opportunity to be a real star. Rollins got a chance to be a huge star. Dean Ambrose got a chance to be a huge star. The industry has shifted in such a way where there's a lot of talent that would have normally been held down that are now getting real opportunities. Whereas when he was there, he's fighting for Kofi Kingston. He's fighting for Zack Ryder. He's fighting for Daniel Bryan. They all eventually got, exception of you know, Ryder, like some opportunity to show what they can do. So he changed the wrestling landscape in WWE and gets none of the accolades because they pushed him to the side and he doesn't exist in their in their world. Now he well, gets Robert, to come let back me, and do let a Let me ask lap. this, though. Like, I mean, I, I think a lot of it's true, but, you know, you said that everything he, – he got everything that he – I mean, everything happened that he fought for. We didn't get the ice cream bars. One of the, 
I, I don't know if that's true in the sense that one of the big things that he fought for, and we have to remember when he, you know, he left right at the beginning of the network, and he was the guy that was asking about residuals. Those never came true, did they? They got paid off of they they restructured how that all operates because they had to okay. they had to adjust for the WWE network and the PLEs. So wrestlers are exceedingly well compensated in WWE right now. So they're all very happy about what they're getting. And you look at his gripes were he was being put even that pipe bomb. He's being pushed as a main guy, but he's on none of the marketing. He doesn't seem to exist. You now look at Sami Zayn and the amount of merchandise he sells and he's front and center on everything. And he's as much a, an indie guy as punk was Kevin Owens is as much an indie guy as punk was. And he's been allowed to be a main eventer and you see his low, you know, his image. I do like that you're naming that. guys that Punk was mean to on the Indies. <laughs> okay, if I name guys that Punk wasn't mean to on the Indies, the show would be over. There's no one he wasn't a dick to, except for Colt Cabana, and we saw how that worked out. Yeah, he was you waiting. Know, I, he was biting. I, his I think time. The, the main takeaway is Punk has, let's say, th- let's say a three year contract. CM Punk has three years of amazing already. It 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 already feels written. The storyline with Seth, the storyline with Roman, another fight with Brock, maybe, a fight with Cody down the line. Uh he's set, and I don't think he's gonna be an issue. I really don't. No. Uh it, it seems like an impossibility. So I, I think moving forward, it's like clear skies with CM Punk in terms of his legacy and how dude, even in AEW when things were rocky, it was like, oh, at least we're gonna get a a a compelling punk feud. I mean, for for the most part, almost all of his feuds were interesting. Uh every pay-per-view he had a hell of a match. I admitted on the Patreon this week that at I think his all-in match with Samoa Joe is probably looking back the best match at all in. It was and a really good so match. he's still got like a lot left in him. And I, yeah, I, I don't see it going wrong because the biggest really problems don't. that he had, the, the biggest problem he had in WWE was before Vince McMahon is out of touch with wrestling. And this show fucking sucks. Unless I have get to call the shots. That's not really necessarily the case anymore with WWE over the last year and a half or so it's gotten significantly better. The biggest problem he had in AEW was he was Grandpa Simpson pulling up a, a stump to tell the kids about the lemon tree, and they didn't want to hear it. He's trying to talk to Hangman Page, and Hangman's like, dude, I'm a big star. I don't need you. He's trying to talk to Jack Perry. Jack Perry's telling him to fuck off. In WWE, they have NXT. If Punk wants to go down there and teach a seminar, Sean's the first person to open the door and say, come on in, man. Talk to these guys. So he doesn't have to feel like I need to be the person that's protecting all these guys and teaching them how to work properly. There's an infrastructure, and the the average age in the WWE on the main roster is like late 30s. So these guys all kind of know what they're doing. So the pressure's off of him. Well, and some of them know him, right? Uh, him waving at Randy was like such a highlight of that first uh, night at Survivor Series. The fact that he oh, was yeah, happy was to see Randy and nobody else. Yeah, shit like that. So, yeah, there's feuds, and I'm pumped. But back to that Raw promo. Uh, wow. Yeah, like peak peak embarrassing Cena. That's how like awkward it was. I mean, lines like, this is my home, it just doesn't fit CM Punk canon. And so you're actually seeing a guy that you're like, is there a gun in your back? Like, 
for purposes of CM Punk fandom outside of AEW, like let's pretend you didn't even watch his run in AEW. You're standing there going like, did this fucking guy get a lobotomy? What, what happened to him? What did they do to him? What pictures do they have of him? It just, it could they have been a picture of his bank account before and after the contract. <laughs> and he'll say whatever the fuck you want. It's literally, he went on at the end of raw and did a cameo. Yeah, he did. No, for real, it was a. It felt like a paid cameo, and, yes. and uh, it, it's not what anybody needed. And and, and I'm I'm kind of irritated that because a lot of the defense has been like, no, he did let he did need to let people know that everything is going to be okay, and he is on his best behavior. And I disagree. It's it's pro wrestling. You hired the guy that can't behave. Tell that to your audience backstage. Make him be appropriate. But as far as we're concerned, they just hired the most legitimate loose cannon since fuck Brian Pillman wasn't even a legitimate loose cannon, you know? And so go with that and give us some good TV instead of it literally came off like a public apology on Monday. It felt like Norm Macdonald on the view. Do you remember that? When Norman on yeah. the view oh, had yeah. his balls ripped from him. Oh, it broke my heart. That's what it felt like. Speaking <laughs> of heartbreaking, there's one more story I want to get to before Mike leaves. Oh, yeah, it's baby. my low spot of the week. It's my low spot of the year. Our, our Lord and Savior, QT Marshall, has resigned from all elite wrestling. And I'm hanging on by a thread, guys. But I, 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 I'd be remiss if we don't talk about uh, QT leaving AEW. Mike, I'm too upset. You start, you start talking. Well, we know that thread is QT's hair. <laughs> Easy. Some of us and are uh, sensitive about that. It, it it was an easy joke. Um, no, I, 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 I was genuinely um, sad about this, and I also was like, you know, what's funny, where everyone was like, oh man, you know, Punk going to WWE, what a fucking blow to AEW. I'm like, actually, I think this is yeah more so in the sense that this is a guy that. Um, was uh, that a lot of people have have written about you know he's gotten a lot of positive uh compliments about how important he really was to the company and you know i think that you know when we think about from what we hear how erratic and non-responsive tony khan is qt probably was somebody they could talk to that could reassure them and and at least make them feel okay in tough moments. So he probably, like, served a very important role. I mean, the reason that we heard that he he left is hard to, to root for him and that he thinks he deserves to be on television. But, um, you know, look, like, as a backstage guy... We never made fun of him. I, we always were like, yeah, I think he's probably good at his job, but just, you know, has no charisma and doesn't know how to uh, act like uh, anything but a facsimile of uh, what we all think a wrestler is. <laughs> yes, he was a less effective Miz uh, on camera, but... That's mean to Miz. That's, no. that is, actually, that is mean to Miz. Miz has been really great of late in this Gunther feud. but He was like a less effective Al Snow. He actually, I was going to make that comparison, but he's, he's also a, little, a great teacher. Yeah, he's a he's a great he's a great teacher. This losing him for AEW is devastating because he was part Howard Finkel, part Pat Patterson. 
I say that because Howard Finkel was a guy who would do any job in the company, was a loyalist, was someone that everybody could count on. But Pat was the guy who would format the TV. He would talk to talent. He was he was plugged into everything like Pat and Bruce together. That was what they did. That was QT. QT wore a million different hats, partially because he was bald. He sat next to Tony to help run Gorilla. He set up formatting. He worked with talent. He was training talent at Nightmare Factory. He was helping organize extras. He was the lifeblood in a lot of ways of AEW. And we watched his documentary on uh, on one of the Patreons thinking we were going to shit on him. And it's the story of just this guy who believes so much in himself that I want to be part of wrestling. I'm not going to give up. And then he finally makes it to AEW and they managed to break his spirit. And now he's leaving in part because he said the direction of AEW going forward is going to be more New Japan and not the sports entertainment that he wants. And in part because he believes he still should be a full-time performer. We were joking in the text group that, you know, I want to see him go to NXT. And Scott, you had the perfect casting choice for how you want to see QT used in NXT. Yeah, he's going to be the principal building of NXT Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Knock it off, you guys. <laughs> I mean, he could do it. And he just gets bigger and bigger throughout throughout the seasons. <laughs> but the, the question I'm curious about is, Cody's gone. QT's gone. How long is Dustin going to stick around? Yeah, that's a, that's a great... You know, I'm interested with Dustin because uh, I thought Dustin was training on some level, people. Whether that was, hey, come to the ring early on Wednesday. I don't know what that entailed. But did you see the the presser with Triple H after Survivor Series where they asked about Jade? And he said, you know, yeah, we, we want you guys to know that we signed her. We brought her out up front. Uh, but she does. She, he basically said she needs more training. She needs, she needs that more is none of work. her fault. You know, basically none of her fault. And a lot of people saw that as a shot at whoever was training her in AEW, which I thought was like Danielson, Dustin, but again, I don't think they're training people. They're That's just kind the of running and the I, roads. And right? that was what I said when they signed Jade is when you sign a young talent. That's why I was so excited for a good WWE. When you sign a young talent and they go to the performance center, they're there three, four, five days a week working nonstop. In AEW, unless you're at TV, you're not getting those reps. So you can't learn how to be a main event TV persona if you're only working once a week. And yeah, it they got sound rid like... of those. Uh, they got rid of all those dark shows. Dark's gone. Uh, dark elevation's gone. Like I'll use Logan Paul and Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny specifically built a ring in his backyard and has had WWE coaches flying in to work with him for his one-off appearances. Jade was not doing that on a consistent basis, getting in the ring. And when WWE saw her, they kept seeing what I was seeing, which is. Boy, this this she's got a great look. She ain't ready for TV, and I think they're smart enough to realize that, and they don't want to ruin her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like, uh, too bad there was already a rapper named Black China, but I'm guessing that's what Triple H thought <laughs> when he saw her. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, no, it's it's crazy because it's like you look and yeah, with uh, AEW, like they they'll, they'll do squash matches, but they're so short. That even if you are an enhancement talent, there's not much for you to even be able to do. So you know, and uh, didn't they did house shows for like a month or two, right? And yeah, then those they, they ran those, but there were there were more people recording this podcast than were showing up for some of those house shows. 
Yeah, but that's also collision tapings. Like, oh. you know. By the way, low, I mean, uh, this past week, lowest rating ever for collision and rampage, but that's neither hide nor here. No, you know, no, 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 more no, embarrassing no. than that. So I guess SmackDown was on FS1. Yes. And so what? Ran- did Rampage? No. no. Dynamite did better. Dynamite-, Dynamite Dynamite did better than the SmackDown on FS1 on during FS1, Thanksgiving which weekend. Count to me. But yeah. Jericho retweeted it and was like, oh, I thought we were dead. And then the next day, Collision gets its lowest rating yep. ever. And it's like, stop with the retweets. Jer- with the Jericho acknowledgement of this shit. shit. Yeah. He's, well, he's- that's, and that, that ultimately is why it's good that even if he could, CM Punk didn't mention AEW because it's like they're the company that will often mention WWE. And when you're in that situation, and you don't respond, you fucking win. Yeah, you win. Absolutely. One, they would have never let him. Two, I don't think he wants to. Three, um, and I think it would have made it for, for a better dynamite. When you have a guy with a live mic on Monday, well, then boys get to prepare for Wednesday. And if he talks shit, all bets are off. And anybody, they could just go, Eddie, go out there. Like, if, if need be. And it didn't need to happen. And apparently they're allowed to say fuck because I got it straight up. It wasn't bleeped out for me. And I no, watched they, it live. They missed it. They, they missed yeah, the fuck. Yeah, I watched fuck. it live, yeah. They, they, missed the, uh, they, they missed the fuck. Mike, did you catch Survivor Series at all or did you just see the clip of Punk at the end? I just saw the clip of Punk. Okay. Wasn't sure if, uh, if you caught anything else on the show. Uh, did you watch Dynamite last night or no? I did not. No, That's no. Th- then you're I, a smarter I just... man than I. I want to just talk about those two things. Yes, uh, I think the QT story I did, and punk. I love, I love talking to you guys. I just, I can't watch those shows. Then just fucking stick around <laughs> for a little bit. We're not, we're not getting into anything that's too uh, incendiary on dynamite. No, I have therapy in ten minutes, but uh... <laughs> oh, you, you'll need, you'll, you'll get every penny's worth if we start going through some of the dynamite stuff for you. Unless you're really excited to know that Wardlow took on AR Fox. <laughs> you know, oh wow. 2021's most forgotten person versus 2023's. <laughs> exactly. And, and Wardlow now has, like, hair. It's weird. Well, before I go, can I just go on, like, a little... I, I watched a, a little retro tangent for, like, two or three minutes? Absolutely, dude. Whatever you All want right. to talk about. So, so um, I, I have a buddy, uh, John Hastings, uh, who's a funny comic, and uh, we... we we watched a lot of wrestling during the pandemic together, like old shit and stuff. And he came over yesterday and we just put on survivor series 96. And if you, you know, it's interesting thinking of AEW Cause it's like, if you want to see a company that like was on the downfall, but slowly like the answers to future success were there. It's, it, it's, that late 96, you know, it's the first Hart Austin match before, um, you know, WrestleMania 13. And it's fucking awesome. Like, it's so fascinating. Do you guys remember the original Stunner? What it looked like? It was so much, like, more devastating. It was, but it was it was harder for him to deliver. Yeah, it didn't have the tummy kick. No. Which I think, like, kind of made the move goofy to me. Well, using the word tummy doesn't help. No, but that's what it is. It's a little silly tummy kick. Like, that everyone had to sell uh, the exact same way, regardless of their size. Uh, no, it actually looked like a fucking stunner. Like, he knocks you out. Um, but but the thing, this is the thing that was really fascinating to me in terms of, like, 
intercompany uh, pettiness. You know, I, I've watched Rumble 97, and I've heard, like, bits and pieces. I wasn't watching at the time. But in one of the matches, you had fake Diesel and fake Razor. Yep. In a full match. And it is it is amazing because when I think of, like, the difference between WWE now and with Vince, like, I, you know, Triple H, regardless of, like, his own shitty runs and all of that, I think has always, in many ways, at least tried to respect the audience. The whole thing of um, the uh, fake Diesel and fake Razor is the most disrespectful thing you could do to an audience. It's, you know, it's Lance Van, Von Erich in a way of like, you're idiots, but we, we know who these characters are. And they literally... Jim Ross, this this was the thing that blew my mind. Jim Ross says, like, I don't get why he's getting more cheers. He's bigger than the other guy that played Razor. Yes, he would always say, like, these guys are younger and they're faster and they're better. Um, yeah. I love fake Razor and fake Diesel a lot just because of the, I, the, the intellectual property reasoning behind using them was to help oh, win yeah. a lawsuit. But, yes, in terms of implementation, the crazy thing about, I mean, you say Survivor Series 96. It's like, oh, that's the debut of The Rock. Uh, that's, I think, also the debut of Mark Marrow. Or is it Mark Marrow or someone else debuts on there? Uh, maybe it's, it's him or Flash Funk or something like that. Like Flash Funk debuts. Flash Funk debuts, yes. So Flash Funk debuts. It is Brett and Austin. I'm just looking at the card now. It's Sid and Michaels. It's a lot. Undertaker Mankind. Like, it's a lot of the great pieces just not being used properly, which feels like a great transition to AEW Dynamite. But we still have Survivor Series 2023 to, to touch on. But... Yeah, that show was a you have all the all the building blocks in place and they're just almost all being used incorrectly. And then they but they did figure it out and you're like, okay. So I mean it was like like watching it yesterday, I'm like, man, this kind of like oof, this is what a rough period this was. And I'm like, this is what it feels like watching AEW now, but I'm like, maybe they can turn it around. I, I just yeah. it's why I'm I just don't know if Scott. they can and and, and and QT leaving makes me feel less hopeful. That's a guy who I never thought was going to leave the company unless he was going to announce the next day he was going to WWE to go be a coach. And he's basically come out and said, I'm not going to WWE to go be a coach. Like, I want to go wrestle. I, I just don't like the direction the company's going, which is really, really odd to hear. And I feel like him and Shivani are two of the most valuable people they have backstage. And I and I also feel like, like from Scott's perspective too, of like, yeah, you don't like the New Japan uh, way that's going because you can't work that style. QT. Yes. Well, no, Scott pointed out QT would do great in New Japan, right, Scott? Well, one, it's just hard to believe that comment that's out there. I guess I will believe it. This idea that. AEW is becoming more like New Japan. I I haven't seen that. I, there's one tournament. Did you not going... watch Dynamite this week? Every yeah, match tour... was a meaningless tournament. Well, no. Well, we'll get to the the meaningless. Yeah, I'm just pointing but, out, um, like, yes, they're they're but, not you know, this, all in on storylines. It is a tournament, and you know, other than this Punk debut and the fact that WWE is on fire, typically December is like no one's watching wrestling. Oh, here's Santa Claus on Raw. 
It's like a bunch of ass. Nothing ca- nothing matters because everyone's busy Christmas shopping. Were you talking about or Santa Claus Claus. or Santa Claus? Because that's a <laughs> totally different kind of conversation. <laughs> and um, I mean, what the hell are we even talking about now? I forget. Oh, with we were talking about QT. Oh, no, no, no. But with the yeah, the tournament. I was putting you me, over that you said that QT would find success in New Japan as a comedy act. Oh, and, and rather than take the bait, the okay, you yeah, decided yeah. to just yes. like, you know. Start talking about a tournament. I'm sorry. So um, I do think QT, they do have comedy acts in New Japan. And they're extremely corny the way QT can be corny. And I think part of the reason we all fell in love with QT is there is that like, that silly botchamania not not botches because again he's fine in the ring but the like the stumbling the buffoonery of wrestling um the botcham that quality is is such a qt quality and i miss that i think every pro wrestling show if it's a two-hour show should have 20 minutes of that type of dumb shit that qt possesses that vince mcmahon used to pitch i think vince should still get his own half hour of raw because there is something about not so great wrestling that is great and appealing. I do love the fact that there's that report that part of what fractured QT's relationship with Tony Khan was CM Punk said that he didn't want to see Hobbs part of QTV or QTV be part of collision because it was ruining his show and it was ruining Hobbs. And so now you had Tony listening to Punk and now Punk's gone. And now because of it, QT's gone. Mike, what did you think of QTV with Hobbs? I think Punk was right. I I think that, you know, I think we've always been a big fans of Hobbs. I, I think the guy is incredible. Um, you know, that program that he ended up, you know, the match he had with Miro and all that was what you wanted it to be. And I think that the QTV stuff, we hated it immediately. It ended up being more about what Harley Cameron than it was about Hobbs. It made no sense. The fact that you know her name is baffling. Well, you know, autism is a disease. So you could give me a hundred guesses. I wouldn't have come anywhere close to that. Well, you know, I wish I didn't. Um, but it's your but curse. someday I'll forget my son's birthday. Oh. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's a bummer because it's like it was it was it was, you know, to Scott's point, like, you know, they do sports entertainment. They just don't do it well. That was certainly a case of that. It was very poorly conceived and and worse executed if if the goal was to push Hobbs yes that, um, and the goal was to push Hobbs and instead Hobbs was used to get over uh Aaron Solo yeah I mean the best thing that QTV that came out of QTV was um fucking uh Bowens being like I'm gay to to Harley Cameron on uh, on an episode of Rampage. Oh yeah, that, that was, was the great. best moment out of all of that. When she tried hitting on him and he just laughed at her and said he was gay. That was a uh, that that'll be the lasting legacy of of QTV. That and getting Shivani's son on ta- on camera, the two most <laughs> important things to happen on on QTV. Uh, Mike, I know you have to run. Is there anything you want to plug before you uh, you head on out? Yeah, uh, I'm going to be doing some Midwest dates with Pete uh, Davidson next week. So I'm going to be in Madison, Wisconsin on the 7th and 8th in Chicago on the 9th and uh, in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Home of the, you know, I was going to say, you got to do the Jesse voice. You can't do, say Minnesota and not mention Jesse. 
I got to do it the whole, I got to go to Robbinsdale and find out where the road warriors used to bartend at the strip club. I, I hope that somebody <laughs> sees you like the way they used to like, see all those guys walking around Minnesota and like, Hey, you want to be a wrestler? Like someone's going to see you walk in there and be like, Hey, you, you look like you got what it takes. I, I will say this. I might do my set in Zubas pants. God, I hope you do. I also just perversely love that you're leaving California in December to go to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois. Well, you know, I'm not here to make friends, Robert. I'm here to make money. On an unrelated note, Bupkis is available on Peacock. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs> See you, Mike. <laughs> oh, man. it's It was great having Mike uh, pop on. I figured, you know, Biggest news story in the last decade, uh, mainly QT leaving. He he might want to show up for a moment. But Scott, we got a lot of other shit to to talk about, dude. We're like, I know you mentioned reviewing Survivor Series. Well, we can like, touch uh, on Survivor Series. What I what yeah. I was gonna what I'm most likely here, here's here's what I'm doing here. I'm pulling a Dan. I'm pulling a Dan and calling an audible. What we're probably gonna do is we're gonna do an in depth Survivor Series review for the Patreon. And we'll go a little bit more in depth on the follow up that happened on Raw and what's going to happen on SmackDown because we so rarely get the opportunity to cover like an entire week of storylines. This week SmackDown, yeah, Orton's going to be on it. Orton's going to be on. I want to talk about all a lot of the stuff that happened on Raw. I want to talk about a lot of the storylines that came out of Survivor Series that I think were good that all kind of got overshadowed by Punk. So I'm calling an audible. That's going to be the Patreon for you and I, Scott, this weekend. We'll kind of do a this week in WWE storylines. And then if, God forbid, something happens on Collision, we'll we'll maybe mention what happens on on Collision. But Broad Strokes, big takeaway for Survivor Series. I had a blast watching that show. Um, I don't think that that's a controversial opinion, but I thought the War Games matches were, were both a lot of fun. And I think that the non-War Games matches were more entertaining than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, more entertaining than we're used to. Dragon Lee is so damn good. We got him in a match. Uh, Walter versus Miz was everything we kind of predicted, right? And and Rhea's just a – she's an absolute star. Like, it's ridiculous. No, for sure. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, I mean, yeah we'll, well, we'll yes, save and, that and, and for the uh, – main event, one of the better ones in a – Ever, main event was great, and then and that uh, that EO jump off the top of the cage in the trash can was really really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. Slightly less cool. We're gonna get to dynamite or dud. A um, lot of meat on the bone to to talk about here on uh, on dynamite or dud. So hour. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing hour one. That's God, that was. Dan's bullshit. I still take the notes like it's hour one, hour two. We never fucking listen to it. It opens with John Moxley versus Jay Lethal in this tournament. That Scott, if I gave you five dollars, would you be able to explain the the actual rules of how this tournament really operates? Well, what do you mean? So it's, I mean, it's round robin, right? Okay. Um, they'll all <laughs> they'll all be competing in what is it? Six matches on each you've, bracket. You're, you're, yeah, you've already you've already lost me, but keep going. Blue team, gold team. I mean, blue. So it's blue. the X Men of the early nineties. Yeah, blue bracket, gold bracket. And I guess if uh, if you win, you get three points. If you lose, you get no points. And if it's a time limit draw, uh, you get one point, right? And so by the end of this, uh, the blue side, someone will have more points than the other guys on the blue side. And then on the gold side, someone will have more points. 
Whoever has the most points on each side will face each other at World's End. And what do they win? So this is what they win. This is where it got convoluted. This uh, is where it got convoluted? Did you not listen no, to I don't think the last they, four minutes? I actually think the idea of the tournament is like, especially when they show you the brackets and you, you just go, oh, okay, this will be uh, very easy to digest. I think they've done a really good job of making the tournament digestible. I think what they win is a little head scratchy uh, for everybody, but I have figured it out. And so it is, since Eddie is in this tournament, he is claiming that well no let's start the winner start, of the but, tournament but, but, originally just the is supposed to win yeah. the tournament which i guess when you win a tournament you get like a cup that night right remember even the owen tournament you get like a big cup but just for even tony doesn't remember the owen tournament so no yeah so you get like a big cup like the stanley cup and that disappears after that right but what you were also going to get is the new continental title right uh which is an aw title so that's now, different from the international title, which was... I know, right? My eyes roll at that, but this is where it makes sense. Since Eddie is included, instead of saying Tony decided this, it's like Eddie has is is overexcited and he's decided this to make this more important, which I don't like that. It should have been Tony's decision. But the idea is Eddie is the Ring of Honor champion and the New Japan, uh, what is it? Strong champ? I don't even know what champion he is. A New Japan strong champion, I think, right? And so since he's the Ring of Honor champion and he's the New Japan Strong champion, those are two separate companies. And the AEW Continental title is an AEW title. So there's three titles across three companies. Eddie holds two of them, and one of them is uh, being introduced in this tournament. Now, all of those titles are up for grabs in this tournament, and so the winner will get all three titles at the end of the night. They will be a Triple Crown winner. Now, it's not just, oh, I'm holding all these three titles. Yes, for that night, they will get that cool photo with a cup next to them holding three titles. But after that, those three titles are going to become one title. And that title will be defended across Ring of Honor, New Japan, and AEW. It's all very annoying. It's all a lot. But it does give you a tournament, which I I am enjoying. um, And it gives you a title... That can be defended against all three um, companies, which we thought that's what Orange Cassidy's title was going to be. It clearly isn't. And it's certainly I mean, these titles will be legitimately, um, you know, on like in the history books of New Japan and the history books, quote unquote, of New Japan and Ring of Honor, because they are combining those. T- it's very, it's you know, it's some canon horseshit. It's very like, oh, if we do this, we can say this. And it's a lot of doing this to say a thing. So the biggest takeaway that I had about this entire tournament was they had Brian Danielson on commentary and he was excellent, by the way, on commentary throughout the night. But he was talking about like those of you who followed all Japan years ago, understand the importance of a triple crown. This feels like this is an extremely niche audience that's going to be excited about this. And that's fine. But the way that it just took you five minutes to explain these rules, I wish Mike and his autistic brain was still here to be able to like say if this actually made sense or not. But we're going to start the tournament makes sense. They're not dude. I'm telling you, they're not going to fuck up the point system of the tournament. It's it can be obnoxious, but it's very obvious that, you know, again, it's not like New Japan. I think they have like a C block now. It's an A block, a B block and a C block where you're sitting there irritated. And yet it still adds up. This isn't going to be the math of, uh, you know, because Mike used to get hung up on the on the ranking system. And I understand that because they didn't 
really fucking implement it, especially after a while. They tried to, but it became impossible, and then Tony kind of made up his own shit. But with this, it's just like a simple bracket where the points are going to make sense. But I will say this. In order to make it work, they did have to start from the ending and then go backwards. And so I would guess this is already written out and they have the last few matches planned because they need to know right now what that point system is going to look like at the end of December. They do. So usually it's like a script you would write from end to beginning. I mean, granted, that's theoretically how you should be booking any tournament. But yeah, this requires a lot of math. And TNA years ago tried this and fucked it up. The biggest takeaway I had is, and this is the problem where AEW, you'll even admit, is on a bit of a downswing in terms of momentum. They they don't have the same groundswell they did probably a year and a half, two years ago, where you, Mike, and Dan were like chomping at the bit to watch every episode of Dynamite. So they need something to really get the fans excited. Getting an audience that's used to a single elimination tournament to embrace this round robin idea is really tough because the matches themselves become a lot more meaningless because the wins and losses here don't have immediate gratification. You need patience. You need to wait and see. Eventually these numbers are going to pan out a winner moving on a loser going home. Very easy story for fans to be able to follow. This requires a lot of additional exposition. And that's really tough because all these matches are very very cold. Well, I think I think and I and I agree with you for uh last week and this week. I think this week they did a very good job of um establishing that they care about this, right? Having Danielson on commentary yes. all night. Danielson really the entire show job. felt like the tournament and then like an MJF promo, right? The Pretty MJF And so in that because Again, there isn't this tension of, oh, where are the points? And, oh, my God, this guy is going to get eliminated if he doesn't do that. Like, we're going to get in those last few weeks. It is setting a tone that only they can give us and we aren't feeling yet. And that's because it's the first year of the tournament. And so we do have to sit there while another company's hot. Tony is making this decision to start something that in order for us to care about it – uh like a few of them have to happen, which that's is the, weird. That's the you biggest know? problem. That's, yeah. the, that's and, the unfortunate thing about a tournament is you go, you know, does the King of the Ring matter if there weren't King of the Rings before King of the Ring, you know? And so they, they did a great job of, of acting like it mattered. And I watched it and I went, wow, you guys are doing a great job acting like this matters. Unfortunately, I cannot care yet because we're at week two. And I said – when this thing first started, this just feels like Tony Khan wants an excuse to play with certain action figures without anybody being able to say these matches don't make sense because the combatants that are in it and the matches that we saw on paper, you're going, yeah, I can see why I want to see, you know, John Moxley versus Jay Lethal, two incredibly talented wrestlers, but it's two incredibly talented wrestlers with no storyline going into it. It's just, Here's a wrestling match to advance a tournament and the winner continues and the loser continues. And the audience is kind of like whelmed. Like, yeah, you're going to get a great wrestling match, but a great wrestling match with nothing attached to it is not sure. what a U.S. audience is, is really used to, especially when their biggest complaint right now is AEW. You're not giving us a lot of compelling stories. Yeah. And I think, look, if they do this, if they do this right, we shouldn't just get the, um, 
the tournament final at World's End. We should also get one more match that spawn. You know, if if, yes. if so much time is dedicated to this tournament, we are going to see a guy snap during it, uh, and a guy be really close to winning and doesn't get even get to the final. And so, we'll if get, they do we'll it right, to. we are going to see like guys' um, personalities thrive as it moves forward. You're going to see. Hopefully Jay White becomes, you know, oh my God, I'm losing. Oh, why am I losing? Oh, maybe because I have been dependent on Bullet Club. And since they're banned, now I haven't had the fire in me and now I need it. If they do it right, we'll get those storylines. I don't know if they're going to do it but right, you though. Need pa- the problem is you need patience. Got a bad track for record. You need patience for it in AW is shown they, they don't do well with, with patience. I will say, after the Moxley Ethel match, which Moxley obviously won, there was a great Eddie Kingston promo from from Sunday or from Saturday where he made it seem like he gives a shit about this tournament. He lost his first round match and it was this kind of like, you know, boy, I'm really doubting myself. What did I get myself into? And then Brian cuts a promo into the camera because he's facing Eddie on Saturday. And it's like, you know, it took one match for Eddie to lose and lose all of his confidence. I'm coming into this and I'm going to kill you with my one good eye. What'd you think of this thing? I'm sure you love this moment. I did. Again, I, th- I think this is even more than the match we saw before, what I was speaking on when it's like, I saw that they care and they are doing a job. I, I clearly see all of them sitting there going, we got to make this matter. So after the match, we're going to cut to that c- after collision promo from Eddie, that was fire. And then Danielson, you give us fire too. look right into the screen and fucking deliver. And they did it and they did a great job. But again, it's for this thing that I'm like unfamiliar with. And so I have to go, all right. I'll believe you in a few weeks. They're all doing their jobs great. Speaking of we'll believe it ultimately when we see it, Tony Schiavone is in the back to announce that Sting's last match is going to take place in Greensboro. And he's highlighting how that was where Sting and Flair had their classic match in 1989. And then we cut to no footage because they don't own the match because it happened (laughs) in another company that they don't have the rights to. Uh, And then they bring in what's left of Ric Flair and Sting. And Ric Flair starts cutting a promo about this 1989 match that, again, we can't see footage of. And at one point, Rick forgets he's on television and says, you know, this match was great, and we didn't even get a chance to rehearse it in advance. <laughs> and then he starts talking about the NCAA, but can't remember the initials of the NCAA. And Sting is just like, the 80s, man. Remember the 80s? I uh, I I feel for Sting. I don't know what's going on here. I, I put this under bad. I thought this was bad. Um, I'm happy for Sting that he gets to wrestle his final match there. I do think a backstage promo where Sting gets to announce where Revolution is going to be makes sense. Ric Flair should have not been with him. I hate that how this was like a present for Sting. And I hope to God he knew about it and that was like storyline purposes. Because if this was an actual surprise for Sting and it's, hey, Ric Flair gets to hang out with you on screen until you wrap up. If I'm Sting, I'm like, yeah, I'm a good guy. I didn't mean it like that. I want my old friend to make money. I don't want him standing next to me. It's awful. I think uh, there's a lot of um, hypocrisy in terms of like you'll see these fucking dweebs be like, what? But CM Punk's a problem backstage, and did they tell everybody in WWE before he came? Because he could start fights, and they should know. They should. Everybody should be on board and agree. Well, then everybody should be on board that Ric Flair is there. Uh, do I think he's a threat now? No. Do I think 
he's uh, an awful mess of a human. Yeah. Do I think a lot of bad shit comes with him? For sure. For sure. Promos being the main thing at, at, at his age. Being lucid is a main problem for him. I heard he in- cut a promo on Rampage. I didn't I, even I look it up. I haven't seen this, but I've heard oh, something dude, about Oh, dude, I heard he went on a promo. huge rant. I heard he went just like, yeah. I heard it was bad, bad, bad. And it. the idea is don't air it. Hopefully Tony just edits it or doesn't air it. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, But yeah, that was fucking weird. Then we got another weird match in this tournament. Mark Briscoe versus Roosh. And these guys went out there and they put on a great match, but because it's a storylineless kind of babyface versus babyface match, the audience didn't know what to do. And I felt for the performers. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think Mark Briscoe, Roosh, Jay Lethal, guys in the tournament, Briscoe and Roosh more than Jay Lethal. I'm happy they're in the tournament, but I know they are maybe going to be the stalest moments um, in the tournament until we get closer to, uh, you know, a surprise Briscoe victory, something like that. I'll say this. I never really cared too much about Roosh, and he's impressing me. So the tournament's doing that. He said he wanted to fight Edge at All In, and I go, that makes sense. I, I, I don't mind seeing that match. I wouldn't mind seeing that match, but uh, Roosh... He's, he's I, got, like, fire in him. There's something compelling about him. And I didn't think that a year ago. I didn't care. Well, because the problem is Roosh is a guy who sometimes doesn't care. Is that it? Like, he'll just yes. bust your lip and that's why we like him so much? He he he'll, He's he's phoned it in a lot over his career. And he's one of those guys where when his heart's not in it, you can tell that he's going through the motions. And right now, it seems like he cares. Hopefully, that stays... Uh, stays up. Someone that I do genuinely care about now, because I think they're doing a fantastic job, is Tony Storm. And this little vignette of her in the back being exhausted and talking about a party where the Kennedys were at. This whole gimmick is is working, right, Scott? Yeah, she's great, man. Last week on Dynamite, uh, they presented her award to her like it was a uh, Oscar, you know. Yes. Like, and the winner is, even though she won at the pay-per-view on Saturday... And then she came out of the audience and read a speech. She's awesome. But I guess now it's time to talk about, we can also talk about that other side storyline with, uh, what is her name? Mariah May. What's her name? Mariah May, because I wrote it down, because I forgot it. Yeah, I wrote it down too. Mariah May. I was so confused by this backstage segment with her, where she's thanking RJ City for, for hooking her up with Tony. And in my head, I'm thinking Tony Storm. And then they cut, it's Tony Khan's office, and she goes into Tony Khan's office. And the idea is she's obviously going to ask if she can wrestle matches. She's eventually going to fight Tony Storm, and that's – I get that, and I like that. But the way she was being so flirtatious with RJ, when it cuts to Tony's room, it it brought me back to, like, the diva days where I'm like – yes. Is the gimmick she's going to go in there and fuck Tony Khan? My my note literally said she closed the door to go blow Tony. Yeah, and I go, look, I know, look, storyline-wise, you go, yeah, there are some women in life, just like there's some men in life who go and do things like that. It's not just like a, oh, boo, sexist diva storyline. But I go, don't put Tony Khan. I was so mad that Tony Khan's name was on a piece of paper on a door. I do not want to fucking see Tony Khan's name in the show. I don't want any real acknowledgement of him other than the technical shit, like 
until, like, Tony, until he about reveals until he reveals that he's the devil. I get it. But but do you see? And that's what yes. that, that's where I start getting a problem with it though, because I go, I don't want him to be the devil. I don't want him on my television. He has failed a thousand times over um in terms of his personality and the Tony Khan name. Not AEW, but Tony Khan is uh not something I want to see at all, at all, yeah. even on a door. Um, I thought that shit was ass, dude. How how could you even consider putting like I I don't know, it was weird. It was, it was, I had it coming up later for hour two. I'm glad we touched on it now. So bad. It was, it was weird. The MJF Samoa Joe. So this one, there's a lot to unpack to, to borrow from my good, close personal friend, Conrad Thompson. Samoa Joe, sorry, MJF comes out. They're talking about Samoa Joe. He puts over how amazing Samoa Joe is, that he remembers seeing him on a TNA poster and being intrigued by this guy how Samoa Joe changed the wrestling business, how Samoa Joe was squandered in the WWE, and he's a guy who deserves to be a champion. But that CM Punk is a guy who has beaten, or sorry, that MJF is a guy who's beaten CM Punk, who's beaten Cody Rhodes, who's beaten everybody there, and he's not going to lose. And he's all fired up as a babyface. Then there is the static, that sounds exactly like cult of personality. Oh, I know. Then the screen goes blank. And it stays blank for a very long time. And for a company that has had a history of production fuck-ups, you cannot have your screen go blank for seven, eight, nine, ten seconds on television in complete silence. Uh, the screen goes blank. And then we get the devil, who is now the um, an, sorry, no, we get the the devil's henchmen show up in the ring to go attack MJF, and they look like aces and eights, and they surround MJF, and then Samoa Joe comes out and he chases off the the devil's henchmen, and then the devil uh, text appears on screen because he's also the anonymous Raw GM. And he sends a message like the opening credits of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, challenging Joe and Max to a tag match, which Max accepts. There was a lot in this segment, Scott. Yeah, so on paper, I actually like this. To progress the story, I really like it. Holy shit, next week we're finally... Look, they have to reveal these two guys. That's how wrestling works. You can tell who the wrestler is when they're moving around in the ring. And so two henchmen will be revealed next week, right? Uh, I like that. I understand why it was written, why they thought it could be done. Because of the 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 timing errors and the uh the sound effects, the lighting. Yeah. Uh the me making excuses was, oh, it's because it's MJF is the devil and it's hard, you know, and so he's pretending to be scared of these guys. And that's why this all feels kind of like a school play and not the real deal. But here's the thing. I don't think he is the devil. I think this was supposed to feel like a, a real attack, but it did feel like a school play. And so when I watched this, I was like, damn, this felt like them practicing it at 3 p.m. and not performing it at 9 p.m. And that's, that was a bummer because I thought it could have been cool. I know MJF really wanted to have a great week on the mic because who won it when, when everyone's kind of boo-booing AEW? But dang, uh, I, I think they just... 
Yeah, there was like a little, a few stumbles. My takeaway from this was, if Max is not the devil, this segment was an absolute disaster. Oh, so you agree, right? There was that aspect of it, though, of like, oh, no, I'm getting jumped, but I'm not. So that was my thing is I'm like, Max seemed so not at all threatened by what was going on that I was just like, oh, yeah, no, it's 100 percent. Max is the one who orchestrated this because they in no way, shape or form endangered him physically. And then setting up a tag match next week only puts Joe at risk, not really Max. And then you look back and go, okay, well. The 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 devil guys attack the acclaim. That doesn't affect Max at all. The devil guys attack Jay White. That helps Max. This and then he's so over the top positive about Joe. All of this feels like, oh yeah, and this is a hundred percent gonna be MJF. And then AEW uh on on Twitter, this came up uh, Nick Hausen brought this to my attention because I don't follow this shit, but I guess somebody on Twitter, some fan posted something about like, it's ironic that Max is talking about all this, getting the feel back when he's the one who cost us like that energy and kind of like ruined AEW. And the people who liked that tweet were Britt Baker, Sammy Guevara and Jack Perry, which makes me think this is going to end with Max revealed as the devil and he's leading the other pillars. Well, those three you just named, that's a fun group. And then, um, it almost makes sense, right, in terms of, hey, we all thought this was going to work out better for us, and it didn't, and you're part of the reason. I don't mind that. Yeah, and then at least you're focusing on young guys going forward. I don't hate it, but we'll see. The thing that was really strange to me is this Joe-MJF match is taking place at World's End, which is the end of the year. Max's storyline for the last six months has been the bidding war of 2024. He hasn't mentioned it once. Nah, he dropped it. You gotta drop it when 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 uh when you're losing that hard. You can't. Yeah. It makes everybody sad. I I honestly and I usually don't think this, but because of the situation, when he when he read down the names of all the guys he beat, I was like, oh man, you got to be a little smarter because he named CM Punk, Cody, Punk and everybody Cody. else. Yeah. And I was like, you're supposed to throw their names in the. It, it's supposed to go back and forth between guys, you know. Uh. Because in that way, CM Punk and Cody, and you go, yeah, those are his best feuds, and they're both gone. Shit. Yeah. Um, but don't worry. We got a white-hot feud after this. We got Wardlow versus AR Fox. Hey, Wardlow's hair was messed up because he attacked MJF. Before. Yeah, I, I heard that from someone else, too. Um, Good fun. We'll know next week. if, Dude, if if Samoa Joe gets five power bombs and gets pinned— we know it's Wardlow is in that tag match. No, if the if one of the devil guys wins the match and then disappears for six weeks, we know it's Wardlow. <laughs> uh, we get this is another weird one. The Hardys and Isaiah Cassidy against Action Andretti and Top Flight. This was the return of Dante Martin after that horrible injury that he sustained. I think WrestleMania weekend at the Ring of Honor show. And he comes back basically unannounced in a babyface versus babyface six-man tag. This was baffling to me, Scott. Yeah, the baby for babyface versus babyface aspect of it was was baffling. They did um bring him back on collision. They but I think they messed, they flubbed that too, like uh in terms of cutting to him or something in a backstage segment. Um I like the tag team of the top flight guys. I I think Action Andretti belongs with uh with them. Yeah, 
they, they look cool together. It makes sense. I go, that's a trios division. Can we get better? If... It's so funny. They had such a great trios division until they decided to have a trios division. Yeah. Uh, Dude, the reason they came up with the trios titles is because they had so many good trios matches and good trios teams that made sense, that seemed fun, that gave you a different uh, type of wrestling match. And Top Flight, as a a three-member group, does that. Uh, but then you have groups like Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy with uh, what's his new name? He has a I new just, name. I, I could I didn't even bother to write that that down. It's like yeah, it's like King, whatever. I don't know, but could I uh, care, could could care less. By the way, where's where's uh, Ethan Page? Is he injured? Dude, he posted a picture. I'm glad you said that yesterday, and he is shredded. Oh, I like him better when he was like kind of pudgy. No, but he's beast. So he's beast. Yet he's he's missing an action. Uh, the AAW uh, six man tag champions missing an action. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, man, the Hardys, it, uh, such damaged goods. Like, but I don't even I, know what you do because I get it. Uh, you go, oh, I would love to sign the Hardy Boys, but you don't get the Hardy Boys. You get like, they're like Hardy Boy impersonators. They're like fifty five year old Hardy Boy impersonators. I don't know what's going on. They're hardly they're hardly boys. Yeah. Um, we then get the tease in the back with action and top flight with uh, Penta, Commander, and Vikingo teasing that six-man tag match. So another six-man babyface tag match coming up. At this point, it's literally just Tony going, this match would be cool. Yeah, uh, I, I, I wish I could defend that. <laughs> uh, continuing the what, the what the hell's going on in this company, uh, Julia Hart who is a sinister, dastardly heel vixen controlling the evil House of Black, who has spit mist in people's eyes, who ruined uh, Willow Nightingale's chances, who has ruined uh, Sky Blue, wrestled as the plucky babyface against Emi Sakura and won with the weirdest-looking moonsault I've ever seen. So she wrestled as a baby face against someone we don't care about. And then one with the, like somehow she managed, they managed to like botch the moonsault midair, which is really talented. Yeah. It, it's interesting because the TBS title is such a collision title for me. Yeah. It was like Chris Statlander's like Saturday night title. Yeah. That, that it's like, Oh, now you're, now you're bringing it to dynamite. I really would have loved some Statlander matches on dynamite, but okay. Yeah, me too. But it was uh it was strange. Um there was this after this was in the Mariah May thing where I'm just like, boy, hour two fell off a cliff. And then we got this Christian uh, segment, which I was not a fan of. Uh Christian brings out Adam Copeland. There was security, he sends the security away. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for everything that happened. He tells the story of how you know, they were brothers and that, you know, Edge's mom's dying wish was to see them be a tag team again. And then he just wants them to reunite and not fight in Montreal. And then he goes to go hit Edge with the title and Edge low blows him. And then we get the uh, the F-bomb. This felt and it's, I saw Bully Ray say this, and I actually agree with Bully Ray because it was the same thought I had when I watched this. At no point when Christian was talking did he even feign seeming authentic. 
And we know that Christian as a performer can feign seeming authentic. It still felt like all of this was was going to lead to that payoff of Edge attacking him. And it went on for way too long, in my opinion. I do think it went on way too long. I didn't quite understand it at first, but I do like how it ended. Um, here's, here's my issue with it. I like the feud. Everything they've done up to this point, I've genuinely enjoyed. Like, hmm. There's always a line or a moment in every Edge and Christian segment since since Edge has debuted in AW that I went awesome, knocked that out of the park. That made it worth the segment. Uh, I think what I did not like about this promo is realizing that they're going to have the match next week on Dynamite. And so I'm sitting there going like, look, I like this. And I, I am continuing to get excited about this match that's going to happen in two months at Revolution. Right. And they're doing a great job so far. And then you say the match is next week. And I just, uh, now I'm judging this feud as a whole. I'm going, wait, okay, it ends next week. You know, in my in my wrestling brain, my wrestling train brain, I go, this is all ending next week. That doesn't make sense. That's rushing the match. And there's, sure, there is a little hype around it, but there's nowhere near as much. I mean, you know, I feel bad for these guys. I don't even know if this is going to pop a fucking rating for them. And not like I care about ratings, but just for like guys like Edge and Christian, who I'm telling you, fans do care about these guys. But this moment next week, you I do not see massive amount of people tuning in for this. Uh, and so I just felt bad. And, and that's what kind of soured me on the segment. And the feud is like, oh, wait, so our, unless we get a uh, – storyline next week where they hug or something i just went damn man you're rushing some shit again again would it makes would have made sense every december they have like a winter is coming right and yep. winter is coming is always a great dynamite they don't even have that it's just a regular dynamite and they can't even have winter is coming because triple h and cm punk said hell froze over so it's like <laughs> when there's a real win when it feels like a real sad winter uh you don't even get to have that show. So, yeah, I don't know what you do with, with them. Well, as my – Do you make them hug next week and you, you make them a team? Because this can't be the match. Yeah. As So as my good close personal friend Scott Chaplin mentioned earlier, uh, nobody watches or cares about wrestling in December. So to give away the Edge Christian match on free television – sorry, the Adam Copeland Christian match on free television on Rampage – or sorry, on Dynamite feels – really really weird i've been saying all along i thought this was going to end with edge and christian together and i really hope that's the case or we get to montreal and edge has been laid out by nick wayne and whatever the hell they call luchasaurus now or kill switch like kill switch engage um but even that does that really move the needle do people really care about that look th this is the only thing i could actually consider shenanigans christian wins right and you slowly build to an edge versus christian tlc match or they beat the shit out of out of each other so much next week in a like a 30 minute 40 minute banger and they hug and then they're a tag team after but that doesn't really make sense and so i think aw it, it in terms of New Japan, they do that thing where, look, you got MJF versus Omega right away, and they're not really worried about giving it away right away because they know they're going to be able to have better matches in the future. 
but I think they forget that it's not about it's not just about a progression of better matches. It's about a progression of like fan investment, and you're gonna not have the fan investment if I'm you do be- a like, like if by the time they do Revolution, it's Christian versus Edge three. Uh, yeah, the match might be the best match of the three, but the excitement isn't gonna be there. Look, at least it's not like they're gonna give away Kenny Omega and MJF. Shut up. In the main event. Oh, and Kenny's been gone. Kenny, Kenny's been gone. Bucks are on their sabbatical. Jericho wasn't there. Nobody. Jericho from... got jumped by. Uh, is this on Collision? He got jumped by uh, Big Bill and Ricky. That no, that was like a week ago. Just two weeks ago. It was maybe, like two yeah. weeks ago. Um, no, no Don Callis family. No, no. So no Takeshita and Hobbs. And, yeah, and then your your main event. Swerve versus Jay White, where no no Bullet Club, so no Bullet Club gold out there because you're not allowed to have seconds. Uh, and Swerve had Nana for a moment, and this is this is like the uh, where even when I'm trying to be positive, my brain just is like, what the actual fuck? So Swerve Strickland going into full gear, torments Hangman Adam Page. Cuts a promo on his baby after he breaks into his house. Becomes the most despicable human being on the planet. Has a death match where he basically kills Hangman Adam Page because he cheats and uses outside interference. And he should, by all rights and measures, be you know getting an IV of blood every day to be able to survive. Is now your shining baby face in this tournament. This is why this tournament is such a bizarre disaster because now Swerve is being positioned as one of your top baby faces when he should be your number one white hot heel. Yeah. I think also people are rooting for, you know, they're quote unquote smart fans, but they're rooting for what they want the main event to be at world's end. And they want Swerve in that, that match in the final. Uh, And so, yeah, they're going to be cheering him until then. So I mean, it's gonna what's gonna end up being Swerve and Kingston, Swerve, mm, Swerve Kingston, Swerve Danielson, maybe. I could also see a guy like Swerve or a Jay or both of them. This is the tournament that because they don't win, they fully, they fully go evil. But again, Swerve went full evil, and so he's already snapped. Let's like can, let's be consistent with that. I guess I just don't love. Enjoyed that the been- match though. Enjoyed the match, but it's been two weeks in a row where Swerve has wrestled heels. He wrestled Jay Lethal, and now he wrestled Jay White. So they set him up that the first two matches coming off of his dastardly pay-per-view performance was him to be this really impressive, really talented babyface. And then you have Brian on commentary talking about how amazing Swerve's athleticism is and how great a performer he is. And I'm like, no, he should be a loathsome monster that you want to see get his ass kicked or win the title as a heel. It just feels so strange. Yeah. But that was, uh, that was dynamite. Hell of a lot to talk about there uh, on on that show. Uh, We're going to do our high spot, low spot of the week. uh, And then we'll do our plugs and get the hell out of here. Scott, what was your high spot of the week or high spot? spot? High spot is, is easily CM Punk returning at survivor series. Uh, I just think it's good for wrestling. 
I'm genuinely going to be paying attention to the Royal Rumble in a, in a bigger way than I ever have to WrestleMania. And I mean, it's in Philly this year. I might make the drive down. Uh, I maybe would have if Punk wasn't going to be on it. But now that I know Punk is going to be on it, yeah, it seems super possible. And so they got me back, these motherfuckers. Now, my low spot is uh, that Raw promo. It was that bad. And again, I was not expecting anything amazing. I was just expecting something worthy of anybody's time. My high spot was uh, the return of CM Punk, the return of Randy Orton, and how great he looked and how just loose and happy he seemed both at Survivor Series and at Raw. Uh, the return of our truth and the way they used him on Raw, which we're going to talk about on the Patreon. My low spot, obviously, the departure of QT Marshall from AEW. Um, you know, this is a this is truly a a blight in the history of professional wrestling, guys. You will remember where you were when you found out QT Marshall has left all elite wrestling. Um, Please respect my privacy at this time. Uh, Scott, what do you want to plug? Man, now I feel bad saying that the CM Punk thing was my low spot. I totally forgot that QT is gone. We literally just talked about it an hour ago. You've blocked it out, you brave soldier. I don't blame you. <laughs> this is how I cope. <laughs> I forget. I forgot what he even looks like. Uh, yeah, I have another podcast out for smokes. Check that out for sure. And check out our Patreon. Uh, this week I dropped like three short random ass episodes um, where I, I, I dealt and handled CM Punk's debut. That is part of the fun of the rest of, of uh, Russell Rose Patreon is we will occasionally just hop on and do extra shows and weep. Uh, yeah. And weep. I have something of sports entertainment with where I, where I break down raw and smack down and just Monday night raw. Um, and, uh, I have a new show that I will again plug at the end here uh, called Rumor and Innuendo with Nick Hausman. It is a daily live video podcast. It airs at noon Eastern. Uh, you can watch it. If you go on my Twitter account, Creative underscore ISH, it streams there in the same way if you're watching like the Pat McAfee show or something like that, it pops up uh, Monday through Friday. It's also on House of Wrestling and ad-free shows, Twitter, and on our YouTube uh, and if you miss the video show, you can go back and watch the stream or the audio version of the podcast is available every day after we record it. Spotify, Apple, wherever you find it. Appreciate the Forbidden Dorks who have been so supportive of it so far. And uh, if you can, if you like it, you know, rate, review, subscribe uh, to that show. Make sure you rate, review and subscribe this show. I know that we're constantly checking uh, just to see where the where the numbers are at, the metrics and all that, and we always like to see the positive reviews. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I got. Uh, until next time, I'll wish you best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott, what do you want to say to the fine folks? Wash your hands. Wash your hands.